0: Today, today, we're going to talk about the wonder of Christmas, but now let, I'm going to tell you something. Maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you've never heard this before. The Bible is a book about God. You ever heard that? There is a God. He wrote a book, and it's to tell you what He's like. The Bible is a book about God, and He reveals Himself through this book. I, I just personally, I think He's that God or you can call him Jesus. They're the same. I think they're the most fascinating. He's the most fascinating person that ever lived. I'm just amazed at him personally. I told him earlier this morning as the sun was coming up, just tell me something about you. Talk to me about you. If, if uh, you ever been smitten by a prayer, you ever met somebody and you just thought, man, that's the neatest. God would like to sit down with him and just, that would be God. I'd love to just sit down and know what he's like. Well, he has written a book to show us and he sent his spirit to help us see it. And the Bible is a book about God. Now, listen, let me, let me help you. Don't get this. Oh, it's time for your Christmas message. We don't do that stuff here. We're going to look at what they call the Christmas story today, but we're going to look at it different. You got to remember something. The Christmas story is not about mangers and donkeys and shepherds. The Christmas story is about God. In this, what they call the Christmas stories, where God is showing you what He's like. I have learned more out of the quote Christmas story about the nature of God and learned more about how to live than any place in the Bible. I read this quote story all the time. I, th- this lights me up. So we're going to look at the quote story today, but we're going to look at the story inside the story. And we're going to let him show us some things about himself that will apply to your life. Everything, we, don't, we don't study here for knowledge's sake. Everything we do here is for personal application in your daily life. Yeah. Jesus came that you, might not, that you might have abundant life, not that you might have a big head. Right. Jesus came for you to have a better life and an eternal life. And as we look today in the scriptures, I want us to look at some things we learned. And let me tell you the first thing we're going to look at. How many of you, uh, when, when you got married, all right, you're married. How, many of you married, how many of you got married had to make uh, some adjustments? I've heard people say to me, well, Brother Brian, we're just so opposite. You think. Listen, Doc, if both of you are like, one of you is not necessary. Of course you marry somebody opposite from you. They say, well, opposites attract. Opposites are like war. Uh, of course, you, nobody's like you anyway. We don't need two of you. <laughs> people get married, they're different. They have different ways. All right, let me tell you what marriage is. Get, come, two people come together. They have to learn each other's ways. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you have to adjust. Right. And you have to adapt to their ways. What do we call people that won't adapt? Single. single. <laughs> now listen to me. You, you gotta. When I got married, I have my ways, and I am strong-willed. My wife's got her ways. She is mild-mannered but strong-willed. <laughs> we had to do a lot of bending.
1: As,
0: as Barney Fife said, you got to learn my ways. <laughs> and I had to make changes to live with that woman. She had to make a lot of compromises and changes to live with me. You understand that. Listen to me. What if I told you there's a verse in the Bible that, where God Almighty said, My ways are not your ways. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to learn how to live with me by learning my ways. Well, there is one. It's Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says this. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think about things like you think about things. My ways are higher, supra-rational, than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let me tell you what's happening in the American church. We have reshaped God into our image so we can make it whatever. The goal was never for God to become like us. The goal was for us to become like him. He is wonderful, but I'm going to tell you something. His ways are different. Strange. And you're going to have to learn how to walk walk in his ways. That's the greatest message this passage has. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 1. All right. Let's read. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a young girl, betrothed to a man named Joseph, house of David. The young girl's name was Mary. All right. Got a young girl. Scholars put her... Um, 14 to 16, 17 years. Old. I'm gonna make her 15. She's about 15 years old. That was the age girls got married then. Um, this angel comes, and she lives in a little town of about had about 800,000 people in it at the time. I know you got to get this culture. This is a very you you've heard of a conservative culture? Our most conservative culture today would be a liberal culture compared to theirs. She lives in her little home with her little family. Everybody has to work back then. There's no communication, no cell phones, no internet, no TV, no radio. Very primitive life. You have to work hard. Everybody works back then, and this family gets by. She's uh, she's Jewish. She's a good Christian. Wouldn't call her Christian. Call her a godly girl. Then she goes to synagogue. She lives by the Ten Commandments. Her family's a very upstanding, godly family, and she's just a you know 15 year old girl. What's on a 15 year old girl's mind? Algebra hackney uh, girlfriends you know boys she's a 15 year old girl will you ever 15 anybody here 15 who's 15 you're 15 all go right, you're gonna help me okay you don't have to preach or nothing just stand up turn around and wave just cheer for her okay thank you all right 15 all right that's a 15 year old girl this is her And this angel, I don't know, she might have been like helping with the family laundry, doing her homework. This angel just, there he is. And he stands there. And uh, watch what happens here. Verse 20, having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, blessed you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. You know what troubled means? She was scared, spitless. That This is just a 15-year-old girl in no man's land, poverty-stricken little girl, minding her manners. And this was not the average angel. This is Gabriel. You know anything about Gabriel? There are billions of angels, billions, because the Bible teaches that every person has angels. Do not despise these little ones. Their faces, God, they always behold the face of God. They're angels. The Lord will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. An angel is a, a person without a body. It is a ministering spirit sent forth to take care of those who will inherit salvation. They're God's secret agents in the earth, and they're powerful. Well, there are billions of angels, but do at at, you understand the angels are in a military hierarchy? you got privates, corporals, sergeants, all the way at the very top of the food changel of angels is two guys named Gabriel and Michael. And Gabriel is the head man. Gabriel stands at the right hand of God all the time. And Gabriel has been sent to this little 15-year-old girl. Earlier in this chapter, Gabriel was sent to a man named Zacharias, a preacher. And he told him, he said, Behold, your wife who is barren shall have a son. And uh, Zacharias said, That can't happen. She's an old woman. And you don't talk like that to him. Gabriel went off on. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You're going to believe what I say. And he smacked his mouth and Gabriel could not speak for nine months. I wish I had the power to do that. You don't know how much. What would I give to be able to touch somebody's mouth and them not speak for nine months? You wish you had it too. I mean, this is the head hog of the universe. All through the Bible, anytime angels appeared, people are scared spitless because of their majesty and power. Young girl, just a little girl, 15-year-old girl, minding her manners, and there he stands. And she's looking at him. And he starts this highly favored stuff. It gets worse. Watch this. Verse 21, Behold, you will conceive in your womb. And bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there'll be no end. She didn't hear a word he said. She didn't hear one word he said after he said, you're pregnant. (laughs) You're a 15-year-old girl. You got plans. You are betrothed to a man. They got married very young back then. The girls did. The boys are a little older because the boys had to go through trade, apprentice with their father. And all of a sudden, this guy stands there and scares you to death. And you're wondering, well, what is this? And he says, you're pregnant. And then he goes off on some rambling something about David and a kingdom. You say, well, what's the first thing you said? I mean, think about this. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at the next verse. Verse 30, Mary said to the angel, how can I be pregnant? It says, I do not know since no man's ever touched me. Hey, but one thing on her mind, what do you mean I'm pregnant? Now, listen to me. You, do you understand what went on in her heart and mind right then? Oh, yeah. In our culture today, this would be okay. may not be ideal, but it would be okay. In that culture, two things happened to a young girl that got pregnant. Two. Number one, they took you to the city gate, and the elders killed you right then. It was instant death for finding out you were pregnant before you married. The other thing was, and you're going to see, you would be sent away privately. They would just send you off somewhere and you would uh, you'd go away. Now, you understand, you could move 50 miles away. Nobody knew who you were. There was no communication between towns back then. They, you'd just walk off, you'd leave, and you'd show up in some little town pregnant and you'd say, Me and my husband were coming to find work and he died on the way and I'm a, I'm a widow now and I beg for mercy and you might get a job as a servant in somebody's house. That's all could, only one of those two things happened to a girl that got pregnant. How many ever think this little girl had dreams? Do you have plans down the road? She's gonna to go to school. You know, wants to be married one day. Obviously, she did. Thinking about college, man, well, college back then. But you know, you just you, you're dreaming. You got all these plans, and this angel shows up and says, "You're pregnant." He just trashed your world. He just ruined your life. He didn't. You notice he didn't ask. He didn't say, "Okay with you?" He said, "You are pregnant right now." And now he just ruined her world, and she. Listen to me. This is not a mature 50-year-old woman who's had theological training. This is a 15-year-old girl who had no life experience. And he has just ruined her world. And uh, he answered her question. Verse 35, angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. That holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. You're going to raise God. God Almighty is going to be inside of you and you're going to raise God and he's going to save the world. And the only thing you were concerned about was passing algebra. And he has absolutely ruined her life, trashed her life. And then guess what happened? Something worse than that happened next. Guess what? Angel disappeared. (laughs) Bad enough you come in here and ruin my world and tell me I'm pregnant or fixing to be and then you leave me. Oh, no, no, no. Come back, angel. You're going to me to talk to my daddy. You leave me like this? And you're standing there wondering, get in this little girl's mind. Did that just happen? Was that real? Is this a dream? Well, before long, she knew it was real. She knew right here. Guess what she's got? What do you do now? What's she got to do now? What's the first thing she's got to do? She's got to go talk to her daddy. What's she going to tell him? What would you say if it were you? How would you start this conversation? Dad, I need to talk to you about something. And it wasn't but one thing to do, and that's just tell him, I'm pregnant. You're a father. That hits you. What's in your mind? And then she says, but don't, it's okay, Dad. God did it. (laughs) This girl's life has been ruined. She knows I can never live in this hometown again. My my wedding just got put off. He's never going to believe this. Her life has just been ruined by God. It's been dumped upside down. I don't know how it went when she went to see her daddy because the Bible doesn't tell us that, but we know how it went when she went to see Joseph. The next person she had to go see was her husband-to-be. And she's got to tell him, could, I, could we talk in private somewhere? He says, sure. He's so, he, he adores her. You remember how it was you, right before you got married, you worshiped the ground she walked on. You were so excited. You laid in the bed and thought about her at night. Didn't we?
1: <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> I
0: mean, he adored her. He lo- you're going to see how much he loved her. And oh, she says, sure. and he's so excited. His sweetheart's come to see him. She says, I need to tell you something. He said, what is it, sweetheart? She said, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pregnant. Get in his mind for a second. He knows he didn't do it. What happened to your world? Listen, they're not Bible characters. These are real people. They're living in a real place. And guess what? They didn't have the Bible. They didn't know the story like we do. This thing's unfolding in their faces just as it goes. He's standing there and he he didn't believe. We know he didn't believe her because the Bible said he didn't. I don't know whether he went into a rage. I don't know whether he cussed her. I don't know whether he screamed at her, but he didn't believe her. And then the Bible said she left, or I don't know what happened. But the Bible said he thought about these things. Let's, let's read it. You've got to turn that to Matthew chapter 1 to stay in the chronological order. As soon as that angel leaves, she's got to go see Joseph. That's Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew chapter 1, now the actual chronology of this story is Luke 1, Matthew 1, Luke 2. That's the actual timeline. It's broken up like that. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Matthew 1, 18, the birth of Jesus was as follows after his mother, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Remember that before they came together, it means before they touched each other sexually, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What does found mean? Everybody found out. right. Now see from Luke, from Luke one to Matthew one, now she is pregnant. You know, the angel told her, You will be pregnant. God's going to put this in you. Now she is pregnant. So, this is a few days later, or whatever. She's pregnant. She got to go see Joseph and talk to him. And uh, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, that means he was a God fearing man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secret. Minded means he thought about it. So, that's the two things you did with the girl back then. You made him a public example, you took him to the city gate, you told the elders, and they killed her right there. It's called stoning. They put her against the city wall. she, she bends down and the, the elders throw rocks at her till it kills her. That's the one of the two. The other thing you could put her away secretly. You just you just say go. And she walks 40, 50, 60 miles to another town, tells a story about my husband got killed. I'm a poor widow. I need a servant's job. And that's her life. Loses her family, loses her future, loses her friends, loses her church, loses everything. That's the only hope she's got of making it. So he's thinking about this. He's a, he's a good man. He could have had her killed. And obviously he didn't believe the story, did he? You're right. Because if he'd believed the story, he'd have taken her and run with her. He didn't believe the story, so he said, No, I'm not going to kill her. As my, his heart was broken. His life's just been ruined. If she leaves, everybody knows why she left, and now he's got a mark, he might as well put a red A on him for the rest of his life. And his life's ruined, but being a good man, he said, I don't I don't want to kill her. I'm just going to tell her go away. And now, what if you were there? What if a few days before you got married, you find out your girlfriend's pregnant, and she's gone, and you're without? Thank God, angels! Thank God for angels and boys showing up. Verse 19: Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Verse 20: While he thought about these things, I bet he did. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David." Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins so that all that was done, all that was done might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, a virgin will be with a child, bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us joseph got up from the sleep and he did as the angel commanded and took to him his wife you know what that means they went and got married real quick privately so they the jewish wedding ceremonies last three days huge celebration he went and got her he said sweetheart i'm sorry i'm sorry the angel appeared to me too and they went to the preacher's house got married or something like that verse 25 did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son called his name jesus many he didn't touch her physically jesus was born because jesus was born of the holy spirit strange way to save the world isn't it and so this craziness is in their lives and both of their lives are now dumped upside down of course they ran off they ran off got married real quick what do both of them know your life's ruined in your town everybody's gonna know now you can't the shame will be on you just don't understand this culture they're living in you don't understand the stress this puts them under All right, let's move and pick up the last of the story in Luke chapter 2. That's where it it takes off again. Remember the Christmas story is Luke 1, Matthew 1, and then Luke 2 to stay in order. All right, in Luke chapter 2, it's pretty wild. I'm just going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Here's the greatest lesson I ever learned from this story, and it's a life application lesson. If you go walk with God, you've got to learn this lesson. Here it is. He will offend your head to test your heart to see if you will trust him and obey him so he can be very good to you. That's the greatest lesson you'll ever learn in your life. He will not do it your way. He won't do it the way you thought it'd be done. He will offend you to test your heart, to see if you will trust him and obey him so he can be very good to you. My heavenly father is famous for offending people. So y'all are like in that regard. He offends people regularly in that, what? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are, but you can't even think like I think. They're just different. Let me give you an example and give you one of the greatest verses in the Bible. There's a man named John the Baptist. He was a man sent by God to tell people, God's right behind me. The Lamb of God's right behind me. He's, He's right behind me. And so John baptizes. Jesus, God walks on the scene. And the first thing that happens is Jesus points to him and says, Behold, everybody look. That's the Lamb of God right there. He takes away the sins of the world. That's God's Savior. That's him. He's telling everybody that Jesus, a few months later, John's in prison and he sends some helpers and says, Go ask him if he's God or are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? What happened to John? He was sent by God to tell everybody, that's my son. A few months later, he's wondering if he's even the real thing or not. People said, well, John had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) You are so American. (laughs) John didn't need Xanax. (laughs) John didn't have a nervous breakdown. You know what happened? John knew he was coming, but Jesus did not act like John thought he would. Remember what John said? His winnowing fan is in his hand. He's going to clean out the threshing floor. He's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He thought God was going to come clean house. And God shows up, guess what he does? He heals the brokenhearted. He loves the sinners. He shows mercy to those who don't deserve it. He did not act like John thought he would. And so they went and asked Jesus, are you you him? John wants to know, are you him or did he miss it? I want you to listen to what Jesus told him. He said, you go back and tell John, blessed is he who is not offended by me. Blessed, and he didn't just tell John that, he's telling you that. Blessed is he who's not offended by me. You know what blessed means in the Bible? I'll do great things for you if I don't offend you. I'll do great things for you if it doesn't offend you. Demon's I'm going to say it again. He will offend your head. He will do things the way you don't think they ought to be done. He'll dump your world upside down To see if you'll trust him at heart level so he can be good to you. This young couple, they were they were God followers, they loved God. But do you think they expected God to treat them like this? This knocked them out of the saddle completely. Well, it only gets worse in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. All right, now let me tell you where we're at now. All right, in in Luke 1, she gets the message. Matthew 1, she's pregnant. Joseph has this dream. He realizes that this is God. How, how would you like to be Joseph? Angel comes and says, you know, you, you, you're going to be a little carpenter. Got this cute little wife. You're going to have your little 3, you know, 4.6 babies, whatever they had back then. And you're going to have your little life. and then you're going to croak, go to glory. Also, an angel shows up and says, no, i got other plans for you. You're going to raise God.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, the first thing I'd asked. Am I going to have to spank God when he cuts up? I'm I may have to put some pressure. This man had no training, no theological. He was just a common carpenter. I'm going put a little pressure on you when you got to raise God. I mean, what if you make him mad? I mean, he just said, let there be light and the sun appeared. I don't believe I'd spank somebody like that. He, his head can't handle this. So all right, they get they get married privately. We're nine months down the road. She's way out here. She's showing. This is where the story picks up in Luke 2. It go, it gets worse. <laughs> Came to pass in those days, she's nine months pregnant now, a decree goes out from Caesar. All the world needs to be registered, a census. This census took place while Quirinius was running the show in Syria. All went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee to Nazareth, Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he's of the family lineage of David. You understand that? To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was pregnant with child. And while they were there, the days are completed for her to be delivered. All right. So she's almost ready to deliver. All of a sudden, that Caesar who ruled the world. Now, we got 8 billion people in the world today. At that time, there's about 300 million people in the world. This crazy Caesar, he rules the world. He's in charge. Of, he's the dominant man in the world at the time. He gets his cockamamie idea. I want to know how many are out there and where everybody's from. So he commands everybody in the world to go back to the original city of their ancestry. You know, if I were to go back to my great, 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 great grandfather's hometown to register, I'd have to go to Germany. So he commands everybody on the world, go back to their origin, origin of your family. Do you know what this did to the world? All commerce stops for about a week or more. Everybody's in the world is moving around. They got to go back. You've got people going everywhere. It's just crazy. And Joseph get here. They hear the decree and Joseph says, well, we got to go back to Bethlehem. Because his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was David. 90 miles. It's 90 miles from where they're living in Nazareth back to Bethlehem. Uh, They didn't take his pickup truck. (laughs) You ever seen the pictures like of Christmas on cards of Mary riding on the back of that donkey fully pregnant? You ever seen those pictures? Not in Scripture. There's no donkey mentioned in Scripture. She walked. 90 miles. You, how, when you girls were nine months pregnant, how far would you like to walk? I know that walking is necessary, to so you, all that stuff, but she walked 90 miles. It was probably a six, seven day walk. They just walked on the dusty road with everybody. Everybody else is coming and going. It's just crazy. Guess what hotel they stayed in at night? I know hotels. Guess what they did? They stepped off the road into the grass or the weeds. He laid out his cloak, and she laid down on that, and she slept. They woke up the next morning. Guess where they went for breakfast? He had a bag on his shoulder with unleavened bread in it, and he went and found some water out of a spring. She ate that bread, drank the water. They got up and started walking again. 90 miles over a six- or seven-day journey just to get to Bethlehem. Don't you know there's times Joseph looked up and said, I love you, but this is pressing me.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm telling you he will, he will not do it the way you think it ought to be done <clears throat> so after this difficult journey of her walking all this way, so this is why I love Mary so much now I'm not like some of my Catholic friends who pray to her I pray to the man himself but I adore Mary, I think she's one of the greatest people in world history, so they finally get to the city of David which is the little town of Bethlehem where they're from <clears throat> what's all that about? I maybe know something's going on here is there a message here? Why did he dump the whole world upside down for a few weeks and move everybody around? Why did he, who's behind that? You know why the king did that? God made him do that. God put it in his mind to do it. Why did he do it? That, I'm going to teach you a lesson. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned here. There's a little verse in a book called Micah. How many of you spend a lot of time in Micah? How many of you even know where it's at? A little Old Testament book called Micah. He was a very minor league prophet. One verse says this. You, O Bethlehem, which are the smallest in all of Judea, out of you shall come a ruler. I will bring forth a ruler, and his reign will know no end. Because of that one verse in Micah, God had to get that girl into Bethlehem because the, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. So God dumped the whole world upside down to get that girl in Bethlehem on that night. He moved the whole world. What's the lesson? Can't you listen? The Bible's a book of God speaking to you. What's the lesson? When I make a promise, I'll move heaven and earth to keep it. When I make a promise, I will keep my promise. Dear ones, this is a book full of promises from God to you. And sometimes the enemy gets in our head and says, I don't know if he'll do that or not. He will move the world. His promises will not be broken. When he says he's going to do something, he'll do it. When he says he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it, he will do it. He will finish what he started. All right, it gets worse. Follow with me. Verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in a rag, swaddling just means rag, laid him in a feed trough because there was no room for them in the inn. You've got to be kidding me. All right, I'm Joseph now, and I love this girl. And we finally, she is so weary. My heart's aching for this poor girl who's got to walk 90 miles in the sunshine to get here. We get here, finally, I go knock on the door, and the man says, I'm sorry there's no rooms. I want to look up to heaven and say, you can't, you can't get her a clean place to lay down and have this child. You know, I made me think the innkeeper knew that was God standing on the doorstep right there. Oh, no. You think you've got God here? Some dude's going out of his room. Sorry, dude. God needs this room right here. He just thought this was a pe- little peasant couple, which it was. But he says, look, you, I got the barn out back. So he takes Mary by the hand, leads her out to the barns. So you've never been in a barn in an animal stall. I got barn. We got animal stalls. All right, girls, how many of you girls ever had a baby before? This is my day. You, you ever had a baby before? How would you like to lay down in sheep manure and birth that baby right there on the ground in sheep manure? He will offend your head. His ways are strange. He will offend your head to see if your heart can stay with him and trust him so he can be very good to you. You know what's worse than that? You know what's worse than that? Guess who her doctor was? I mean you'd like to have your husband as your doctor when you go to delivering babies. I mean that's it. No nursemaid, no nurse, nothing, just your husband. That ought to scare you worse than being born in a barn right there. I mean a man ain't good for nothing past about the first few minutes. He ain't good for nothing there this is just, this this story, we've heard it so often, we've become familiar with it. We've forgotten how crazy this story is. God is hollering through this story saying, trust me. I don't care if it offends you. I don't care if your head screams against me. I don't care if it makes no sense at all. Trust me. Do what I ask you to do because I want to be good to you, but you got to trust me. No room in the end. And then the story shifts gears and he really begins to speak to us. Verse eight, they They're in the same country shepherds. Out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Jesus wasn't born in the winter. He was born in the summer. There's no grass for the sheep during the winter. I didn't mean to mess up your snowy Christmas and all that. <laughs> angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone on them. And they were what? Great. I'm telling you, every time angels show up, they scare people spitless. They were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, you don't need to be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You realize that's the first time God ever spoke to humanity after the Messiah was born? After salvation came into the world, what's the first thing God says to all of humanity? I maybe, of you may think God can still speak? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, if he came straight to you and he had something to say to you, what do you think he'd say to you? Let's learn something here. People say, oh, man, he'd say, I'm in deep trouble. He'd say, he's so disappointed in me. He'd say, he knew what I did. Listen to me. The Bible is God talking to you. If God Almighty walked up to you right now, you know what he'd say? I've got good news for you. And it's going to bring you great joy. Right. Amen. He so you don't know me. Go back and read it again. All people. Preachers, prostitutes, liars, backsliders, crackheads, pimps. God's got good news for you. He said, don't seem right. You ain't him. Hush. You ain't him. His ways are higher than your ways. His ways are better than your ways. We demand justice. You know what he says? Mercy triumphs over justice. God's love is greater for me than my sins are against him. When my sins abounded, his kindness abounded greater. Luke 2 is the greatest message in the world. God's got something to say to you, and it's good news. And it'll bring you great joy if you listen to it. See, this is why I didn't like God when I was a young man. Because they drugged me to church, and a fat guy in a polyester suit sat up there and talked about how bad it was. I thought he was speaking for God. I didn't know he didn't know him.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I got, I got the man's biography. Yeah. I got his book. And you know what I read in here? It's good news, son. It'll bring you great joy. Don't try to figure me out. Just trust me. And it was good news of great joy. Plus, he came to shepherds. Why didn't he go to the scholars? Why didn't he go to the preachers? I know why he didn't talk to preachers. Why did he go to the lowest class people? Come on, guys. Because God is the friend of sinners. And he loves, if he told me to associate with the lowly, guess why? He loves the common man. And these guys just, they're going, what is going on here? Verse 12, i give you a sign. The baby will be in a feed trough. You ever seen these little, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to have one up here or not. Man, that, dr- that looks like the package cabbage patch dolls used to come in. Fair, doesn't it? What was I talking about? I'm sorry. The, uh, you ever seen these little manger scenes? You know, got the little guys at bathroom. hark, hark, and got the little mangers built like that. Not even close, not even close. Nobody built mangers out of wood. They wouldn't last. They're built out of stone. They're carved out of a big rock, and you down in there. Again, I, I think about my barn out behind my house out there. Do you know what it's like when an animal gets done slobbering in a feed trough? You ever seen them? You want to lay your newborn baby in that? He said, he, said, he said, God, they came to the shepherd and said, God is in the earth and I, you can find him. I'm going to give you a sign. When you see a baby laying where a baby shouldn't lay. I mean, if I came in the house, but our baby was young, come on, I said, Mama, where's Junior? I put him in the barn. Go out and look in the feed trough. I think that's unusual. What the angel said, I'm telling you, He cracks my head with his ways, but he is good. He said, here's the sign. You'll see a baby laying where he shouldn't lay. He'll be in the feed trough and it'll be nasty, but he'll be in there. All right, here's the, God, this is another of my favorite verses. Suddenly there was with that one angel, a bunch of angels, praising God, and they have a message. Look at their message. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What a message. What a message. This is the message of God. What's the message? Glory to God. Now I've got a message for the earth. Peace. Look, look, dissect it. Good to men. What's the message from God to earth? I want peace with you. I'll make peace with you so I can what? Fuss at you because you're a sinner. Be good to you. Glory to God in the highest. What's the message for the earth? Peace. God's going to be good to you. Goodwill to men. God's will is, let me make an announcement. If he was mad, we'd be gone. He'd big. The only reason I'm alive because he wants me alive.
1: Right.
0: The only reason I exist is so God can love me. The only reason I'm here is so God can be good to me. Yeah. This is the purpose of humanity. The message of God is I want to be good to people. Goodwill to men on the earth. Now watch, here's the difference. Verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherd said, get up boys let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass watch these words which the Lord has made known to us yeah. what's the message God has spoken to you right. God has revealed himself to you so if God ain't never spoken to me wait a minute wait a minute did he not do it in a way you wanted him to what have we learned so far he's talking but he don't talk the way I think he would what do you expect him to do send Gabriel to see you what do you want to hear a voice out of a cloud God has spoken to you Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. In times past, he spoke to the old people through the prophets. He has spoken to us today through his son. That baby laying in that manger is God talking to you. The, what's happening in here right now, reading this story, God's talking to you. He's saying something wonderful to you. God is in, God's coming to you and speaking to you. You ever heard the Christmas story? God has spoken to you. And he's, well, I would rather, I want to get a feeling. His ways are not your ways you got to let him do it his way. He will, he will offend your ways to test your heart. Amen. All right, now watch this. This is me and you right here, verse 15. When the angels had gone away, the shepherds said unto us, let us go to Bethlehem and find this thing which the Lord has made known to us. All right, dear ones, listen to this. Are you ready for this? God has spoken to you. It's time for you to do something. After God revealed himself to them, they had to do something about what God had shown them. I want to ask you a question. Do you just sit and listen, listen, or do you do something about what he's shown you? Man, when he revealed, when I saw the cross and I realized that man is a good man. He died on that cross for my sins. And once he'd shown me that, it was up to me to do something then. I had to make a decision. I had to turn from living for myself and begin to follow him. I couldn't just get it for knowledge. I had to act. On, these boys acted on what they, they said. Get off your butt. Let's go. I'm not sure if they said that or not. They said, we got to do something about what God has shown us. You got to do something about what God shows you. You got to act on what he says. I'm thinking about making up a new Bible verse. It's going to go like this. Be ye doers of the word and not just hearers. That's in there. That's James chapter one. Said, so don't just listen to what God says. Do something about what he says. Right. There when God showed me that there was a savior and he, was, and he would give me life. I had to make up my mind. I will follow you. Amen. I'm going to do like him. I got to get up and get going. I got to follow him every day. Because I want, listen, he's better than I am. Yes. What he can do is better than what I can do, but I got to do something about it. Right, here's the greatest message of all. Watch this verse 16. And they came with haste and what? found mary and joseph and they found jesus laid in a manger what's god saying to you right there if you'll look for me you'll find me you can find me people say i can't find god people tell me all the time i I just can't reach god well now i let's see one of the two of you lying and i wonder who it is what's the message right here i can be found I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring you to myself. If you'll look for me, you'll... you know why they found God? You know where their lives were changed? Because they were looking for Him. Yes. I listen to your preacher. Listen to your preacher. Don't worry about being a Christian. Don't worry about being a good person. We're not. Don't worry about going to church regular. You live your life chasing God.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: You live your life looking for God. You wake up every morning. First thing I do is wake up to Him and I say, today I'm looking for you. Talk to me today. It, it's not about being religious or going to church or trying not to cuss. You ain't doing so good with that anyway, neither am I. Here's the deal. Seek God.
1: Right. Yes. You
0: live your life doing what they did. Just try to find God. I tell him, show me yourself in nature today. Show me something in nature. Speak to me through your word. Speak into my heart. I don't care. <clears throat> Send Gabriel down here. Let him scare me too. I don't care. I just want to talk to me. Spend your life seeking God. Right. Now listen to me. This is. I'm going to teach you one of his ways. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure hidden in a field. Guess why you find treasure? Thank you. You're looking for it. Let me quote Jeremiah 29, 13. You will search for me and you will find me when you look for me with all your heart. God can be found. Let me, let me give you a picture of this. I hope this don't seem janky. If it is, I never went to seminary. I'm sorry. How many of you, when you had little children, did the Easter egg. How many of you hid Easter eggs from your children? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't hide eggs from your children. You hid them for your children. Did did you really hide them eggs saying, I hope they don't find them? (laughs) Did you hide them eggs saying, no, 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 Herbert, he'll see that one. Put it on the roof where he can't find it. (laughs) You hid those, you hid the eggs from them, but what was your heart? What was your intent? I want them to find them. You hid the eggs, wanting them to find them. Now, let me ask you a question. When they started looking, did you help them? Oh, you're getting cold. You're getting cold. (coughs) (laughs) You hid them for them to find, and you tried to help them find them. Yes or no? Listen to this verse. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to seek it out. You want to hear this? Listen to this. Without faith, Hebrews 11:6. 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God's got to believe he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. God's not hiding from you. He's not hiding the great blessings of life from you. He's hidden them for you to find. And if you'll listen to him, he'll help you find them. He put it in these guys' hearts, go find God. Go find the Savior. Go find everything he wants to do for you. And when they went looking, God made sure they found him you can find Jesus. You can find everything in life you're looking for. Some of you in here, you're looking for, you want your marriage to be better. You don't need a counselor. You need God. I'm not against counseling. Go get it if you want to, but why don't you just go straight to the man? I mean, he invented it. Go straight to him. Let me tell you, you want marriage counseling? Here it is. Y'all ready? We're now in session. I charge $5 an hour for marriage counseling. (laughs) I've never changed. I'm 22 years old, an old preacher said, Let me tell you how to marriage counsel, don't any other way. He said, You cannot bring two people close together. He said, Marriage is like the spokes on a bicycle wheel. The spokes don't need to connect with each other. When you get two spokes that will start moving closer to the hub without even trying, they'll get closer to each other. I said, That's all I ever need to know about marriage counseling. There
1: you, go.
0: you want a great marriage? Both of you chase God. Good. You want a great marriage? Seek God. Right. You're not gonna fix Him, lady. You ain't figured that out by now. You ain't done so good by now. Why don't you give up? Chase God. Two people chasing God will always get closer to each other.
1: True.
0: Everything you're looking for is found by chasing God. You pursue him and you'll find him. All right, we got to, let me do one more real quick. You know what that means. <laughs> verse seven, when they'd seen him, they made widely known the sin which was told them concerning him. Everybody that heard it. Were just surprised at that. Let's go all the way down to verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen as it was told them. Changed their lives, didn't it? These guys are just common guys. They're just workers. They're the lowest occupation on the totem pole in that culture. And all of a sudden, God breaks in on their life and says, my son is in the earth. I want you to find him. Look for him, and I'll help you find him. And they found him. What were their lives like after that? They weren't sitting around on the hillside after that. Wondering if, if uh, Grubhub can find them late at night. <laughs> what are they doing after that? They spent their lives praising God and thanking God and worshiping God for the great things He'd done for them.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. You know, I'm going to tell you something. He hollers through this whole passage. If you will let Him run it the way He wants to, and you not be offended by the way things are going, oh, yeah. He will get you to His Son and you'll find him when you look for him, and that son will touch your life, and you'll spend the rest of your life thinking praise God for his goodness and grace. You might even do like them and spend the rest of your time making widely known what you have heard. (laughs) I'm going to spend the rest of my life making widely known what I have heard and what I have seen. Listen to me. I don't get up here and talk out of education we figured that out. I don't talk because I've been taught like this. I get up and talk like this because I have found the man. I know him personally. I know he's answered every question in life, and I want everybody to know him. I want people to find Jesus. And here's my announcement. You'll find him. A lady told me not long ago, I hope this don't offend you. We're talking about being offended. She said, I wish I had the relationship with God you do. And I, I couldn't help it. I'm old. I can't help it. I said to her, ain't nobody's fault but your own lady. Quit wishing and go fishing, Doc. Come on. He will be found by you if you'll look for him. That's right. All right, what you got better than this? Tell me what you say Well, I want to win some trophies. No. They gonna rust. My wife threw mine away. Sure enough, they moved from the mantel to the side mantel to a box in the garage to the junkyard. They's rusting anyway. If I want to make money, your kids will spend it. What are you pursuing besides God Almighty? Good. What greater thing to do in your world than to get to know God and let him crash into your life and show you what he's playing? Great. All right, let's take a survey. Anybody ever found God? Yes. Good or bad? Good. There's your testimony right there. Father, I want to praise you and thank you. We're going to spend the rest of our life. I get so excited about you and your goodness. I thank you that, oh, I wish somebody would write a song that says, oh, come let us adore him. You're so worthy of praise and adoration. I want to thank you and praise you. I, I don't understand you. This stuff don't make sense to me. My head screams sometimes and says, what in the world's going on? But my heart cries out, he is good. I want to thank you and praise you. You did not have to do this. I chose to be a sinner I chose to live like I did I chose to rebel against you you could have given me what I deserve but you moved heaven and earth to get your son into this earth and he came to that cradle so he could go to a cross so I could be your son forever and not just when I croak you've been good to me in this life there was a time I had no friends now I got the greatest friends in the world there's a time I couldn't get along with people. Now I've got, I'm have married to the greatest woman in the world. There's a time I was struggling to pay bills. Now you've blessed me. There's a time I was so angry and miserable. Now I'm the happiest man in the earth because this baby that was born on that night has been born in my heart. And Father, the day this old body falls over and croaks, it just gets better. Thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you that on that night, about 2,000 years ago, that warm summer night, when that voice pierced the air and that little baby cried out, our redemption was finished. Everything was taken care of. And I pray for every person in this room that they will chase Jesus. It'd be like these shepherds, just guys with no religious education or nothing, but they said, we're going to go find God. Let's go try to find God. Come on, you go with me. And they found you, and it changed their lives forever. I want to thank you and praise you. Thank you for your goodness. Yes. I pray in Jesus, and I want to pray for me and them too. I pray that I don't care how crazy it looks to me or to them. We will say, I am going to follow that man. I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't care if he dumps my world upside down. I don't care if everybody criticizes me. I'm going to follow that man and see what he does for me. I thank you that all we need in this life is your hand and your touch. I want to pray for everybody in this room now, Father. If they have never done what the shepherds did and said, "I'm I'm going to go find him. I pray for everybody in this room, they will hear the message of Christmas is not jingle bells and candy canes and fat men in red outfits. It is God reaching out to them and saying, you can come home to me. You can be my son or daughter. Come home to your creator and let me be good to you. Your sins can be removed. You can have a new life. Pray for every person in this room. Lord, I'm fixing to invite them to talk to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, move through this room. Draw hearts to Jesus like only you can. You told them where to go, but they had to decide to go. I pray you'll touch hearts today and draw people to you, son. While we're praying, friends, we're sitting here. Everybody's praying. People in this room praying for you, if you don't know. I'm praying for you right now. What are you going to do with Jesus? This is the, the world's ugliest Christmas tree. No green, no lights, no balls, no tinsel. Ugly. God hanging on a cross that's the world's ugliest Christmas tree but it had the greatest gift ever on it what are you going to do with that gift God has spoken to you this morning are you going to welcome him into your heart or are you going to do like the inn guy and say I ain't got no room for you in here I'm going to close the door in your face will you open the door of your heart to Jesus will you let God move into your life or will you close the door on him like the innkeeper and say you know don't come in here Did you notice that when they closed the door in God's face, he walked away? You have got to open the door of your heart to Jesus. I want you to pray with me. The Bible said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody. I want you to pray and ask him right there where you sit. This between you and him, right there where you sit. I'll help you. But you talk to him. And he's spoken to you this morning. It's your turn to speak to him. When he speaks to you, you need to do something about it. I want you to pray a simple prayer from the heart to him let me help you pray like this say dear Jesus I believe you're the son of God I believe you came to this earth to save me from my sins and to save me and to help me I believe you died on a cross because you care about me you love me I believe in this Jesus and right now I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed I turn from this sinful life I turn to you Jesus today I receive you as my savior and my lord and the love of my life my best friend the Father I never had, the love that I need. Everything I'm looking for is in you, Jesus. Today I receive you into my life. I want to follow you. I don't understand it all, but just like Mary and Joseph, even though this is racking my head, I'm going to follow you. And I ask you to help me. Help me know how to follow you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for hearing my prayer today that I pray in the strong name of Jesus, Son of God. I give you all the praise and glory. Teach me how to worship you and say thank you. Strong name of Jesus, I pray. Now, if you prayed that, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put it up a real high where I can see it. Thank you. Put those down. I want to thank you and praise you, Father. Thank you that you're still knocking on the door. The sad prophecy there was that so many people would slam the door in your face. But the truth is, your word also says, as many as will open the door, I will come in. Thank you, God. Thank you that a humble, open heart can have God Almighty move in, take over, and make life great. Where would we be without you today? We're going to praise you this season and worship you. And dear Father, on December 26th when it's all over and everybody else is stuck with credit card bills and taking down the lights, we're going to still be praising you because you're the forever Christmas in our hearts. We're going to bless you and love you because of your goodness. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.